0: Hello, hello, welcome to another mini episode, News and Tidbits. Today, I have Georgia Guido sitting in as my sidekick. We're going to be talking about a couple of articles and pet product news, specifically about the various age groups and their buying habits. We're going to talk about everybody from Gen Zers to Gen Xers to Millennials, um, and how they prefer to buy. We're going to be talking about pet product news and how they are always seem to be kissing Chewy and Amazon's ass. And, of course, George is going to give us his pet peeve because he's George, and he's going to tell us what he thinks of it's going on in this world and with distributors and whoever else he wants to talk about. So... Enjoy the listen. It's a quickie episode. It's about 30 minutes. You can brush your teeth and change your underwear as you're listening to this. I hope you enjoy it. Please, please, please subscribe. And if there's anything you want to hear, please let me know. Thanks for listening. Have a good time. am just going to rock it out, George. Okay. We're here today. We're doing Sundays in the store with George DeGuido. Thanks. Isn't that fun? Yeah, you are awesome. just going to talk about all these articles that I'm sending him and telling him to give me commentary on because he is a load of information and he's really funny about it, so I kind of enjoy it. You are. You're funny. You are funny.
1: Real funny. life is funny,
0: right? <laughs> Real life is be funny. We should enjoy life, right? Exactly. But your perspective, you know, you have bunch of stores in Brooklyn and you have a store in in New Jersey and you see you have a perspective that's a little different than others you know it's you're not a single store you've been in business a long time you're running a business it's not a it's not something you started because you had a dog who you loved and you didn't like your work you just kind of you went in because it was the right business right so this is a business for you and you see every angle but you also give a shit about your customers and your employees and you know what you bring in you know you care so you have that balance that I think a lot of um pet retail the small one I think with some it lacks you start in for one reason and then you go in and then you get hit in the face <laughs> with reality
1: well a lot of times people fantasize about having a business with pets, because they love animals and all that, but they, real, they don't realize that it's a true business that you have to work at. They think you just come in and pet a few dogs and the money just flows in. And, and they learn real quickly that it's a true business and you have to run it. I mean.
0: And money doesn't flow in with pet. You really have to know brands, no products, know how to connect with the owners, and it's a tough place. And this is where we're going today. We're actually going to be talking about um, baby boomers versus Gen-, Gen Y, Gen X, millennials and Gen Z. We're kind of going to blend it all in. There's been a, There's a couple of articles that I read in pet product news and um, business journals that keep saying how millennials are setting the standards.
1: Well, I, I could say they're setting the standard in this way. Uh, I have some stores that are dominated by baby boomers. I have some that are dominated by millennials. And you can see a difference in the fact that they're much more educated. Much more educated. They know exactly what they want. They want transparency.
0: The millennials.
1: The millennials. The baby boomers will, are from, uh, they have more senior dogs. You know, as time goes on, they have more senior dogs. They remember the brands from way back and they're true to their brands. You know, they're loyal. But the millennials will jump around. They'll, they'll look at the quality, um, where the product has been sourced. Uh, they really have a much more intellectual look into pet food. And that's kind of the difference between them. And what they're making us do, not because it's online, they're making us with the brick and mortar really look at our products now not just brand name, but truly look out where they come, how's it been sourced and all that. They're changing the industry that way.
0: They're changing the industry big time. The industry can't be lazy anymore because the industry is being challenged. And it's a good thing. So, And it's a good thing. I think the industry needs to be challenged.
1: Well, the people that want to sit back and think it's 1970 and just sit behind the counter, well, they're not going to be around for a while. Because you have to be on your game, because they want you to be, and you have to be.
0: Well, there's a lot of stores that are still complacent and just sitting behind the counter. They're not helping anybody. No. You know, no. I see they're it all. Wait, yeah. waiting
1: for the next thing to come along that they could jump onto, because, you
0: know. Yeah. So millennials are, um, they're, they're categorized as uh, having massive student debt. They delay life's major purchases and they need somebody else to help them make big decisions. So um, they've gone through the 2008 recession, uh, the explosion of the tech industry, 9-11, and now COVID. So they have seen a lot and they can create or destroy brands. They really can. How do businesses like yours and mine work with, with this age group?
1: Well, we have to be on the cutting edge because they're on the cutting edge. You know, we're mirroring what they want. And the days of just the old brands are not going to fly anymore. But there's a, it, there's a little trick now. You have to be innovative, but you have to be smart innovative. You know, you have to understand what they're truly looking for. And the way you find out is they'll tell you. They're not bashful about telling you. They'll tell you exactly what they want.
0: Yeah. So you have two daughters, right? You have one in the millennial age group, one <laughs> in the, you were telling me this, when I, was, I was cracking Gen up. Z, yeah. And one in the Gen Z age group. What's the difference between the two ages?
1: Oh, I can tell you. They're in, buying
0: exactly. habits. How they I, do
1: and here's what happens. I'm sitting, I'm watching TV. My older daughter's sitting next to me. I said, wow, that shirt is really nice what I see. In two seconds, she already ordered it on the phone and it's coming to my house. That's the millennial in it. They go right to the phone for information, they find out, and they act right on it. Now, the Gen Z, Mm -hmm.
0: she
1: will think about something and then later purchase it online also. Like, for example, the masks. Everybody's wearing a mask, right? Right. And my daughter, Julia, who's Gen Z, she all of a sudden, she says, Dad, I got something I'm sending to you. It, it's like a New York Giants mask. So what she did, she probed online, she saw it, and she said, okay, I'm going to get everybody a mask, and she got the mask. So two different types of buying habits. The, the, the millennial is very sharp and very to the point and does the research and the homework and gets it. The Gen Z. There's a little more swagger there, there's a little more there, where the other one is very, they're hard to, they're hard to decipher, but there is a little difference. There is a little difference.
0: So well, Gen Xers make a lot of, I mean, people in my age group are my biggest clients, and they're the ones that are asking a ton of questions and come in confused by what the pet industry is putting out there. Yeah. People between the ages of 41 and 55 are the ones that, yeah, the ones older than 55 tend to be stuck on brands and not quick to change. But the ones in, you know, 41 to 55, the Gen Xers tend to be the ones that are taking all the marketing and they're agitated by it. And they'll do the research, but they wanna talk to someone and connect to someone. And uh, they're the ones that I find to be my Client. Well,
1: well, they're the millennial, in reality, they're the millennial that has matured. Yeah. So now they're not being as spontaneous. They wanna they wanna get to the point. They wanna find out exactly what is this and what is that. Where the millennial might be a little bit more, you know, quick decision.
0: They're reactive.
1: Reactive, that's the word. Yeah.
0: Okay, so they're reactive in their purchasing habits, whereas the Gen Xers want to find out the details but they want to speak with someone they're not stuck on the computer right so right. where do we go when it comes to e-commerce with these each with these different age groups because every article that uh, i mean we you and i read the same articles um and that, that and two are, are in uh, pet product news and
1: i'm not happy with pet product news i'm not happy with
0: well they, they all seem like they're advertisements for chewy yeah, and, exactly. and, you know, I don't dislike Chewy. I think there's a place for it. However, my issue with companies like Chewy and, and Amazon, I mean, they're just collecting data. They'll take everything at a loss and they're just collecting, collecting, collecting because my information can be utilized to market brands, to market products, and they don't care about... Think all- about it,
1: they're, they're strictly fulfillment. That's all they are. They don't build any brands they don't now let's take a perfect example was amazon's wag and chewy's american journey or something like that right
0: they're specific brands the brand specific to them
1: okay. oh, they don't want a flop a flop now why is that they have all this power they have all this money but yet they couldn't transfer people makes you think it's not always about money it's about Relationships, and you can't. It's very hard to build a relationship online. Very hard.
0: Well, let's let's talk about this article. Um, it's un, it's unbelievable. I it it says how and where e commerce is driving U S pet food retailing, mm-hmm. and something specific in here. It says from two thousand nineteen to two thousand twenty four, the pet specialty channels share of pet food sales is forecast to fall from 25% to 17% while e-commerce share is expected to rise from 22 to 26%. So it's from now to 2024, we're gonna have major losses in brick and mortar and e-commerce is gonna go through the roof. Is that considering, it's just-
1: I don't agree with that. I don't agree. No. I'll tell you why I don't agree. They're using the, the nation, they're going by the nation, they're national. Now, I'm in New York, you're in New York. It's a different beast here. Because, listen close. <laughs> it's a different beast for this reason. Convenience is our way of life. We understand as New Yorkers, get in, get out, done, right? So we understand that. So we play that game along with them. Like I have two hour delivery, same day. I mean, that's responding. I mean, we do phone calls quick. We can get it there within. We're already doing that. What they're talking about is the big chains and the big that, that move like dinosaurs. And yes, this is a quick change for them, but they can't adapt as quick. So I think across the nation, they're right. But in certain pockets, I think brick and mortar is going to thrive. And they don't address that. They only address across the country. You know, well,
0: I think because of covid that every brick and mortar store is now offering an option of being able to sell product and have their have their customers buy online. So, I don't know. this was written right around the when the hell was this written? This was just written. So this is recent. So it, I think it's considering what's happening now, but it's still putting the big box stores and the chewies up there as the main, e-commerce platforms instead of us who, who do pivot quickly. You know, you sell online well, product there in two
1: hours. Well I sell online, but here that's like a like a um that's like a, a feature that we have. I'm not counting on it. It's a feature. Okay. Of course for this reason and this was always my concern. So you can chop this away. <laughs> here was always my concern. If I'm delivering something online and I am taking my brick and mortar person and putting them online they're, they're a quarter of an inch away from clicking onto Amazon and Chewy. Now, if you look at the millennials, what they say, what they say in the article, 49% have the convenience and 33% is price. Yep. Okay. So that becomes the new yellow pages of old. Everybody immediately goes to Chewy or Amazon for pricing, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if we can't compete on price, then we've lost that customer. So in reality, why am I bringing my brick and mortar customer to the online, to the online um, platform? Yeah. Yeah. The only thing I'm going to do is I'm going to use online to fight online and not let the paths cross where brick and mortar stays true to brick and mortar and online will stay true to online. I don't want them to cross. I don't want them to cross. That's my, that's my philosophy.
0: I think, I don't think you're alone in that philosophy. I think a lot of uh, brick and mortar or independents feel that way. It's it's an added burden to have that online platform. I think part of it is an added burden. And then all your numbers are out there. So you're the guy five miles down the line can see exactly what you charge. And you have to have services that go along with that. If you don't in brick and mortar, I think you're going to be screwed yeah. going forward. I think that's going to be a huge factor. We're in trouble. Yeah,
1: and it's got to be a clean, well lit, organized facility. Because when they walk in there, if one little thing turns them off, you lost them. It's yeah. real. It's really tough today. I mean, it's tough.
0: And it's tough to make money in with pet food because I mean, it's so commoditized. It's so everything is so cheap. Yeah. I always thought food should have the highest value, and it's, food shouldn't be a commodity. But we've made we've created such junk out of pet food, quality rarely exists. And it's within certain brands and a lot of them don't sell online. The brands that don't sell online you have to work for to get customers to connect to. So that's where the difference are differences are. If you're, I mean, I carry a lot of brands that you can't buy online and during this period, those brands are the ones that are carrying me, not the commoditized brands, not the brands that you, you can get on Chewy and Amazon. People aren't buying those. I have some of those, right. but those aren't being the ones being purchased. The ones that are being purchased are the ones they can't find online. People are actually making an effort to come into the store. So you got to start selling yourself apart when you're a retailer. Well,
1: well, the answer now is, and I was talking to Anthony from Roomba today, mm-hmm. and we were saying how you have to take yourself as a brand and you have to say, okay, here's what I recommend. And you have to put out your trustworthiness and your reputation and say, here's what I, and they'll follow along. As long as you're true to your word, they'll follow along. And that's where more emphasis should be putting on branding ourselves so we are what's being sold and not the products. It's, it's, that's where we have to put a lot of emphasis on that. And I think when we do omni-channel and different things like that, like I'm NYC Pet, I have to put my reputation out there and say, okay, you're buying from here a trusted seller, and that's going to mean something. I think that's going to be the way we all have to kind of go. Hmm. We built these reputations. We might as well use them, right?
0: That's that's for sure. You have to. Well, reputation's everything to me. Without that, why would somebody want to trust my opinion? Why would I? I mean, how could I even train my staff and say do this or do that if I don't have the knowledge and the foresight into the industry as a so, whole? So
1: with that reputation, when someone walks in your door, they know the experience. They know exactly what the experience is going to be like. And that's what they're looking for. And that's, that's really where the future is. We have to start to brand ourselves.
0: So do you think it's going to be tough for, um, you know, these multi-store? There, there are all these franchise-type stores that are coming off as small mom-and-pop shops, but they're major conglomerates. Yeah. How are they going to uh, be in this situation? They can't exactly brand themselves. Yeah.
1: Well, millennials will see right through that. They're smart people. These young people, I got to tell you, they're smart. They pick up on all that. They pick up on everything. So when you get a chain like a uh, Pet value or something like that, they're looking for low labor costs. They're not looking for that high qualified person that could sit there and talk. Oh, no. They're looking at bottom line, bottom line, bottom line. That's it. So that's where they can talk all they want, but we know the reality.
0: And when they get a few of those really good employees who can go beyond
1: us they'll leave and come to us (laughs) we'll treat them with the respect that they deserve
0: (laughs) what do you think of companies like pepsi and purdue that are now forging ahead with direct-to-consumer models i mean pets doing that pets been doing that for a while but now you have purdue chicken and pepsi doing that do you how do you think that's gonna uh, filter into The pet world, even more than it has.
1: That is scary. That's scary because now they're cutting out the middleman, the man in front, the man in back. They're cutting out everybody. So they could drive that cost down as low as they want. And then the price becomes so cheap that nobody would say no. Even though you might be the nicest person in the world, that price is going to be so low that how could they resist? It's dangerous. It's dangerous.
0: They're taking the the distribution aspect out of it. They're taking the distributor out of it. Mm -hmm. So, what's that? Let's say they're the manufacturer. Distributor marks it up 20%. Manufacturer normally
1: works on something like 7 to 10%. So now, uh, distributor works on like 30, 25 to 30, right? Right. And they're working on our 30 to 40. Mm
0: -hmm. Look at
1: those percentages they're cutting out. Yeah. There's a lot of profit to be made for them.
0: The consumer has. Uh, the Can consumer. they do
1: it? Can they do it? You know, sometimes people think they have the mightiest touch, but they might not. They might not. They might. They might it might be a flop. They might be great at making something, but horrible at distribu- distribu- distributing it. it. Don't know. It's a wait and see kind of thing.
0: It is a wait and see. But we've been, you know, there's a lot of direct to consumer pet foods out there. There's, you know, Farmer's Dog. There's Pet Plate. So they're going direct to consumer. They're cutting out the middleman. So the cost the cost is still astronomical for these companies. I have a lot of clients come in. They say, I'm, I'm using farmer's dog, but the prices are ridiculous. So
1: I think those people it? are small enough where they can't drive their costs down like a major corporation and they want to make money. They don't want, they're not looking at the same model as a manufacturer would be looking at. I mean, a major manufacturer. I mean, they're not. If you're, if you're let's say Tyson, right? Mm. Something might cost you three cents. But but to pet palate or whatever, that same might cost $3. We don't know.
0: Hmm. Just thinking the cost of shipping product, customer service. Some of them have quality food. Some have a lot of...
1: You know what will happen? Somebody will branch off. It won't be the company itself distributing it. It'll Hmm. be another company that specializes in it. Like, let's say, a Cisco Foods or something like that.
0: Right, right.
1: Step in. They could step into something like that.
0: Well, you know, Chewy's has their uh, their own cooked line. Um, it's got a lot of peas in there, but it's not a it's not a half bad product. I have uh, I had clients on it. Their dogs have had a lot of allergic reactions, so I switched them to another cooked line that they actually thrived on. But you know, as a starter, going from junky kibble to a whole food type of thing. It's a great marketing tactic, and oh, I don't know. This this world is getting so confusing when it comes to buying. I'm trying. I still, to- think,
1: it, I still think that's going to be niche-y. I think I still think that's going to be niche. What the uh, the direct cook- consumer? Direct to consumer. And direct to consumer. Mm, not sure. Not sure about that. The jury is still out.
0: Hmm. I think. We've become a little lazy. What do you think? If everything needs to be shipped to our doors, are we of lazy?
1: Of course, we're lazy. I'm not lazy. <laughs> I <laughs> still go to the store.
0: You're a baby boomer.
1: <laughs> are you a baby boomer? It, it's not being lazy. It's this entitlement. Everybody serves them. You got to remember when when they were growing up, mommy and daddy took care of everything, you know. And now, who's going to take care of them? And you know whose fault that is? That's our fault because we made them that.
0: Damn, we suck as people.
1: No. You know what killed me? My father worked us so hard that I said, "My kids, I'm going to take care of them." So I made it so easy for them because I thought I was doing the right thing. And now they became this millennial generation Z person.
0: <laughs> That's funny. My brother's the same thing. He he works his ass off. Well, no, he doesn't. I shouldn't say that. My brother gives his kids everything. Everything. I, if it were my kids, I'd make them work their asses off. I'm a completely different person. You gotta work for it.
1: Well, oh, wait, there's two ways of looking at that. Because I would like them to see the enjoyment with my own eyes of my hard work, rather than them having it after I don't get to see it. So it's a double-edged sword. Double edged sword you can't you know, like I paid for my daughter's tuitions, they don't have they're not saddled with any uh <laughs> student debt.
0: Really, that's awesome.
1: Yeah.
0: That's awesome. If you can do it, great, but you know, it's still commerce is still very screwy, it's that's confusing, and I, you know. Pet product news. There's all these articles. Every article downplays the strength and the role of pet specialty and micro independent, and puts e-commerce with Chewy, Amazon, Walmart, on a pedestal. You know, I feel like I'm walking down a dark alleyway well, every time I read
1: be, one of these. Articles. Crazy! Everybody was supposed to put us out of business. When when in the earlier days there was a Home Shopping Network. Remember that? Yes. That was supposed to put us out of business. Then big box was supposed to put us out of business. Now, Chewy's forced to put an Well, if history shows us anything, nothing's putting us out of business. We're going to thrive.
0: Are we going to thrive or are we just surviving?
1: The people that want to thrive will thrive. The people that want to survive will survive.
0: How do you differentiate? Hard
1: work hard work it
0: can't be just those words what does it mean what does it mean to it means, getting
1: up, it means getting up at eight o'clock in the morning watching your inventory working your people uh educating it means doing all the things other people aren't doing that's how you get ahead you do what they won't do and that's how you get ahead got it got it got
0: it any <laughs> advice to uh to consumers?
1: Ooh, to consumers, don't be so hard on us. Uh, to consumers advice, yes, do your homework on the companies that you deal with and shop local because you should, basically, that's really what it is, right?
0: Yeah, we wind up being around when everybody else is not. Right.
1: When something happens to your cat, God forbid, with a, a upset stomach, you're not running a chewy. You're running to the pet store and they're asking.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Doesn't yep. that deserve some kind of credit? <laughs>
0: yeah. All right. What's your pet
1: peeve of oh, the day? Today's pet peeve is going to be the distributor's online ordering system.
0: What? Ooh. Yeah. Are we talking about just how distributors, their website?
1: Distributors' websites, how for all the millions of dollars they have, how horrendous they are to order on. Yes. I'm talking about why can't we lump, uh, uh, let's say, primer. No, why can't we lump um, Merrick beef? Four pounders, 10 pounders, 20 pounders all right after each other why do i have to search all these sites that is the worst yes nothing
0: just put it in friggin alphabetical order exactly. something.
1: <laughs> something why am i doing four pounders then 30 pounders then two pages later the four pounder for the 30 pounder why can't it be grouped together
0: yeah it's, it's unorganized they're there millions,
1: um, millions of dollars and which we're now placing the orders so they don't have people working we're working extra hours not getting paid for it could you make it at least a little easier for us that's for a pet peeve
0: that is so true yes absolutely their, yeah. their websites really suck
1: oh my god
0: they lack organize, and you can't even organize it they don't give you the option. Oh, because
1: they it. spell things differently <laughs> like you're spelling it normally And they have it like hyphenated or something. And now you can't find it. Confusion is making them lose a lot of money. Because if I can't find it, I'm on to the next item. I can't. Um,
0: Imagine if you set up your store the way they set up their ordering site. Exactly. You would completely mix in with, mix in, you know, cat and dog. Combine everything. That's That's where we get really
1: pissed. That's what takes so long to put an order in. And nothing but nothing, if I'm getting paid $500 an hour, that's costing a lot. (laughs) (laughs) That's your pet peeve? That's my pet peeve this week.
0: That's kind of easy. All right. Next week, week you're going to give me a better pet peeve. I want something pissy.
1: That's pretty pissy. Come on. I can't stand it. It I
0: don't know. know. I I think they just do that on purpose. So you make mistakes. Oh, they're
1: lazy. They're lazy. <laughs> they didn't put it in. They're lazy. Yeah, put that down. They're lazy. They're Tell lazy. Them to stop being lazy. And, and because make, they're lazy. they are lazy.
0: They mark everything
1: up. They talk about. Meanwhile, they talk about etails and endless aisles. They can't even get their own website to work. Put that. <laughs> yeah, put that down. That's a little edgy.
0: That is edgy. So, what do you think of all these new uh, new platforms that are popping up all over the place?
1: Big waste. <laughs> I'll tell you why they're big ways I'm going to tell you why they're big ways okay they're trying to get people now there are a lot of savvy store owners but there's a lot of store owners that whatever savvy right okay they are telling me they're going to go on that computer thing there and have it sent and I got to tell you this also endless aisles and e tails trust me they're not in they're not fully in stock either so here you are thinking you're sending something to somebody and they're not getting it and who are they complaining to you so now you're giving up some of your your reputation to them
0: well etail is is from your platform and then you have to verify that you have it in inventory but Endless Isle is a whole different story and they can actually pick up your customers that's why I'm not a fan of it they know who your customers are you're giving up your customers
1: and they don't have half the stuff.
0: They don't have half
1: the stuff. I really?
0: try. Or sure they don't. It's no different than Chewy. I mean, they're collecting information.
1: Listen, I don't trust either one of them. I don't trust either one of
0: them. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, this was uh, Sunday in the store with George. We're going to hear more from him. Ever- um, George, thanks for dealing Thank with Thank you,
1: and enjoy <laughs> <the> Sunday. <laughs>